welcome you to the Igniting Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Horine, a principal chiropractor alongside my husband, a magnetic alignment coach, a 3-5 manifester in human design, a toxin-free living advocate, and obsessed with all things related to a healthy mind, body, and spirit. My passion is to empower and inspire people to become the highest expression of themselves while recognizing they are the creator of their own reality. I'll share ideas, interviews, and examples that will prompt you to learn more about your true thoughts on yourself, what your true desires are in life, and how you're connected to the world around you. This will happen through human design readings I do with clients, principles of chiropractic, and how true health and healing is expressed from the inside out magnetic alignment recode sessions, and my own personal journal prompts that I receive while in meditation. My hope is that you can have your consciousness ignited to remember that the key to living in a happy and peaceful world all starts by discovering those pieces within you. Why, hello, and welcome back to the Igniting Consciousness podcast. This is your host, Dr. Natalie Horine, and I am coming to you just two days after delivering my first child, baby Sedona Garnet has made her arrival into the world Earth side a little sooner than we anticipated, um, but it was absolutely perfect, absolutely perfect timing the way it's supposed to be. She um, is a little smaller, but very full in her smallness, and I'm feeling compelled to talk about it as being a professional that is able to be home right now. My husband is also a chiropractor, for those that don't know, and I'm a chiropractor. And he's able to be in the office, so that way he can adjust and help patients heal from the inside out, activating their innate intelligence. And uh, true to chiropractor form, I I was able to birth my child at home in our tub, I didn't exactly plan it that way, but that's just how it happened. And so I want to be able to share my birth story and I want to be able to document it and then why not share it with you all so I can empower and inspire you to really trust in your bodies. I mean, that is the core, the essence of chiropractic is that we fully trust in the innate expression, innate meaning inborn. It's that life force energy that lives inside your body is housed within the nervous system that my sweet little baby Sedona has right now as she's feeding. She's breastfeeding right now as she's feeding and learning and activating her suckling response. And I get to watch her learn and progress just, I mean, already two days old and she's already changed so much. And we've already created a little more of a relationship. Just, I mean, we have a huge relationship, but as far as breastfeeding already and, and how good her suckling reflexes are and her rooting and being a chiropractor that is neurologically based and focuses on making sure that that innate expression is at its highest potential and that it's being expressed through the nerves, giving us feedback, um, and having specialized training in pediatric, yes, and in newborn babies and pregnant women is really helpful for me to understand and for us to understand those primitive reflexes, the suckling, the rooting, all of that, which is super important for feeding, for being able to breastfeed or even bottle feed for that matter, 
It's an automatic reflex that they have that can be hindered if they have misalignments in their neck or they have subluxations in their neck that's interfering with the nerve expression of that innate intelligence. And being a chiropractor, we're, of course, adjusting the baby as soon as the baby comes out because even though she had a quick delivery, a very, uh, very fast delivery, I'll talk about that here in a little bit, she she still was bundled up inside of me for, you know, nine months and curled up in a position that isn't necessarily one that is going to be something that she would maintain when she comes out, obviously. So getting her uh, atlas adjusted right away, which is the very top bone in her neck, made such a difference as you will hear in just a moment. So baby Sedona Garnet, Garnet, E-T-T-E is how her we're spelling her middle name, made her arrival on January 3rd at 7.57 a.m. Mom, me, I started active labor, unknowingly, started active labor for sure at 6.30 a.m. And in fact, I was probably already in, I was definitely in pre-labor. And I'll kind of talk about some of the breakdowns for for some for since there could be men and women listening to this right now and it's it's going to be helpful for you to kind of understand the different stages of labor and I'll describe it through how I experienced it which is markedly different for every woman but I will describe it personally from mine so there's pre-labor contractions which are irregular they don't they don't come at like a specified period of time. It's greater than five minutes in between time. Uh, Usually they're about 10 minutes in between time and you can move, walk around, eat to change whenever you're having the contractions or to settle it down a little bit. Whenever you go into active labor, they become more regular. They're equal to or less than five minutes apart. And there isn't much changing and posturing or doing things that will change you having those contractions because your body is preparing for that baby to be delivered. And then from active labor, and active labor can last totally different for every person. Same thing with pre-labor, so I'll go back. Pre-labor, when I was having that, I was actually having a very strong nesting response, actually, um, that same evening. And my husband had just put the dresser together and I was like staying up late, even though it was a Sunday night. We usually, you know, we're going into the office in the morning, but it was Sunday night and I felt the very strong need that I was like, I just need to put, I need to pull all the like blessing way and baby shower gifts out of the bags and I need to put them in the drawers just so I can, I can know and allocate everything that I have. I just knew I needed to do that. And I kept having what I thought was Braxton Hicks contractions because I had had those throughout my pregnancy just because, um, and those are false contractions. Braxton Hicks contractions are those that uh, feel, you'll feel like tightening around, around the abdomen, around the uterus, and it can happen like around the entirety of it, just part of it, just you know different portions. And I was having that probably since about 25 weeks pregnant, to be honest. And I really was able to tune into it to recognize, okay, this is whenever there's 
low level stress, even though I'm not recognizing that I'm having the stress, but it is definitely letting you know that you're doing too much or you know, you've been on your feet too much, or, you know, there's just a low level stress that you may not be aware of. So it's really important to do deep diaphragmatic breathing and really breathing in through the belly, expanding the belly and pushing it down into your pelvis because then that'll relax your, your belly. And then also the baby will feel that too, because whenever your body's tight, you know, it's going to be tight with the baby too. So really was able to work on my breathing a lot and and help with that. So while I was nesting Sunday night, currently as I'm recording this episode right now, it is Tuesday or Wednesday, actually. Gosh, the days are all mixed up whenever you have a new baby and you're just getting used to getting the flow and the routine of everything. And put the clothes away and I would get up and move around and I would notice, I'm like, okay, this is different than a Braxton Hicks contraction. It was really feeling like it was settling low. It was settling low into my pelvis. And so I want to describe that for you mamas out there. Maybe you can relate or, you know, maybe you're pregnant right now that you can kind of utilize some of these signs and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily tell you that the baby's coming that night or the next day or even the next couple days. It's just things to note as you start to learn your body. And with that being said, I I knew at some point I had sat down and my husband was like, are you, he literally asked, he goes, are you able to sit down and relax right now? Because he knew that I was feeling it more than what I had felt before. And I didn't even think to think to think to label it as pre-labor pre-labor contractions at this time which pre-labor contractions can last from hours to days before you move into active labor just so you know so i was like i don't really i mean i i can't settle down yet i just like i just need to finish this and like i just needed to sit down and then i would walk through it and then i'd sit down again and i started having this internal knowing that okay, this baby is going to be coming a lot sooner than expected. And when it comes to the estimated time of arrival, like your due date, it really should be a due month because the baby will come when the baby's going to come. I mean, obviously with baby Sedona, she came a lot earlier than we expected. She came at 37 weeks. So I was 37 weeks pregnant, but babies can come between 30. I mean, they could come earlier than that, but 37 to 42 weeks because 37 weeks is whenever the lungs are fully developed and you know you can be confident with knowing because that, that is the last set of organs to be fully developed are the lungs. So that is something to keep in mind to make sure that they're breathing really good You know, whenever they come earlier. And if they were to come earlier than that, there's different protocols that would happen in the hospital setting. So I'm going to keep it home birth setting because that's what happened. I delivered Sedona in our bathtub in our house. And like I said, I didn't expect that. I started feeling it. I knew that I wanted, I'd love to have a water birth because I love water and who doesn't love floating in the water and having that buoyancy of having your body be elevated in the water. Very early on, I was like, yeah, I'm having my, having a water birth. Like I'm going to have the baby in the birth tub and stuff like that. And as time went on and as you become more educated and then you start to feel into your body. I knew that I was going to have 
a fast birth. In fact, I wanted one, so I really manifested it. And what that meant to me was not what I would be able to just like to tell you exactly what that was going to be like, but I knew I wanted to have a fast, efficient birth and deliver a healthy baby and for me to be healthy and it be just the way that it needed to be. And that is exactly what happened. So I started getting those feelings early on, probably like 30 plus weeks is when I realized I was like, I have a feeling that I probably will birth so fast that the birth tub won't even be able to be filled in time. And I was really allowing myself to be exposed to more spiritual births and um, watching videos of free births, to be honest, and was really thinking about, oh, I, I really think I could free birth. Like I am so tuned into my body and my husband being so tuned in and, and connected with me and, and us knowing the innate intelligence of the body and trusting everything happening the way it needs to we really felt like we could do a free birth. But of course I had, I have a midwife and I had a midwife and because it's our first time, you know, you want to make sure you have that security and that comfort with that. And gosh, and absolutely, you know, works out just the way it needs to. And I just keep emphasizing that because it's all about perspective, your preparedness, your readiness, like how prepared can you be for birth? Well, having a well-rounded amount of education so that way you're not you're not caught off guard or thinking something is wrong with you or allowing the fear to set in or allowing the scare to set in because as soon as that happens, it, it does shift things. It alters things. It alters, it alters your response. It alters the response of your body. It alters the response of your body with the baby. And, and depending upon the route that you decide you want to go with your pregnancy, that you have decided with your pregnancy, you will have outside influences also affecting you and how you respond. So there are so many variables that come around birth. There really is. So trying to narrow down this conversation here because I wanted to initially talk about my birth story. I wanted to give that background of me really realizing I probably am going to have a fast birth. The birth tub probably wouldn't even be filled in time. So I was already wrapping my head around this idea of free birthing. And well, I might end up delivering in our bathtub. And it's not like I have a big bathtub or anything like that. But I was just open to the idea and not visualizing how it was going to be or anything. And I don't think that every person should not visualize. So I'm not saying that I actually think that it is good for you to put out there the type of birth that you want but only go into it as far as it feels comfortable. If you start to get into the details and it starts to feel uncomfortable and you'll feel it in your body or you like get kind of triggered, like or it gets a little stressful because you're like, I don't really know. Like, oh, should I have like, do I want candles lit? Do I, do I want music playing? I mean, don't even worry about those details because clearly my birth and as you'll find out, like happened so fast. There was no ambiance setting as much as I was like, oh, I want the music playing. I'll have my birth affirmations hanging up on the wall. We'll have the candles lit, you know, so the smell's good. The like look is good. The low light setting and everything. And all of that goes out the window because what matters is your connection and in tune with your body. Being in tune with your body as that baby is ready to descend and come earthside. So 
it being Wednesday, it was Sunday night. I was having those pre-labor contractions, even though I didn't realize they were truly pre-labor contractions. And my husband ended up going to sleep at probably like one o'clock in the morning. And I was just planning on joining him. And I did. And I realized I could not get comfortable. And this whole time during my pregnancy, you know how there's there's birth pillow or the C-shaped pillows. My husband actually got me this huge U-shaped pillow, which is an awesome pillow that he got me early on when he found out we found out we were pregnant. And I actually haven't used it because I was able to sleep on my back the whole time and turn to my side because I'm more of a back and side sleeper until about 35 weeks. Well, no, actually 30 weeks pregnant. This little babe in here was letting me know that she didn't necessarily like me laying on my side as much. And then the bump was growing so much that I did have to put like a little pillow to act as a barrier to kind of prop me up. So I wasn't completely on my side, but without going into the details of that, I was able to comfortably sleep without having like specialized pillow interactions and all this stuff and sleep on my back. And this night I was not able to do that. I would start to turn over and I would get a contraction and I was kind of in denial with it, realizing that they were contractions. I'm just like, Oh, this is just uncomfortable. And so I kept getting up and I would get up and then I'd sit down and then I would have that sensation again And so I decided to go into my front room where we had just put the dresser together and I put all the baby clothes inside the drawers and stuff like that and the blankets and everything. And I was like, okay, I've got to kind of relieve this right now. And I was, I have a yoga ball. And so I was sitting on the yoga ball and I realized sitting on the yoga ball and bouncing a little bit felt good. And then it would calm down. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and try to go back to sleep again. And I laid down and it was like maybe five five, six minutes later that I was like really uncomfortable again. I was getting the pre-labor contractions again. And I, most people at this point in time would have grabbed their phone to start timing the contractions. But as I said, I was a little bit in denial of like really what was happening and the promptness of what was happening that I just got up and went back to like grab the yoga ball to try to sit on that again. And I'll be honest, I actually pulled out my birth class um, magazines and brochures and booklet actually because I did a birth class and though I'm very educated more than the average person for sure around birth and the stages and dilation and everything like that however I haven't personally birthed the baby yet and how it was going to be in my body and tuning into my body, I was like, you know, of course, it's good to do a birth class. Plus, I wanted to know what the birth class was like here locally so I can really be a good referral base for other mamas and hoping that they can have a good amount of education prior to birthing their baby and throughout their pregnancy so they can really be empowered because it is supposed to be empowering and is empowering for you because knowledge is power for you and for your partner. So either way, I pulled out those booklets and I started going through the stages again and rereading them and I'm like, maybe I'm in pre-labor contractions right now. Again, I didn't pull out my phone to time it in between and they were definitely becoming shorter and more regular. So I was actually progressing into active labor at that time, active labor contractions. 
but I will tell you for sure. So that I didn't, I don't even know exactly what time it was, but what I will tell you is that I decided at, it was at 6.30 a.m. that I decided to text my midwife and say, hey, I'm in uh, pre-labor contractions right now. Um, And I gave her some details like they're uh, not totally regular just yet. So I, you know, I think I I think I'm okay right now, but I just want to let you know just so we can be up to date with this. Even though I was actually progressing into active labor, to be honest with you, as I was texting her, I had to pause because I was having I was having another contraction as I was texting her. And when I finally got the text out, I literally had four more contractions in between that text and then the next text after she responded to me. And without giving you a blow by blow of the texting thread, she was really under the impression that I was in pre-labor contractions. So, you know, there wasn't a need for her to leave yet. And I didn't think there was a need for her to leave yet because like I said, pre-labor contractions can last from hours to days. And so in my head at this time, I wasn't even going to wake up my husband and I didn't wake up my husband because I figured, well, you know what? I'm going to make sure he gets plenty of sleep so he can be up and ready for adjusting on Monday and I could be laboring at home and we'd go from there. So I'm telling you this because I literally was in active labor contractions at that time and wasn't able to like process that, to like tell my husband, to let my midwife know that, hey, it might be time for you to hop in the car and get here. So at some point she had suggested, you know, go ahead and run a warm bath because that's one of the things you can do when you're in pre-labor contractions and it can calm your body and relax you because it's like eating, eating something, drinking something, moving your body, taking a bath. So that way it can calm it. And so I ran the warm bath and it felt amazing. And that's, that's the only reason why I got in the tub is because I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and relax and relax in the tub here to ease this a bit. And it did ease it. And then I was texting her saying the warm bath is easing it. And then literally after I texted her, I started having more intense contractions and they were coming to the point that I wasn't able to text her back at this point. And that was about probably 7 a.m. And I managed to have like, I find some weird herky hurdler position if I used to cheer in the day. So I had like my, my feet like staggered and I was stacked sideways in the tub and it kind of seemed to calm down. And then I felt this need. I was like, I need to text my my team at the office and say, hey, I'm in pre-labor, still calling it pre-labor contractions. It could be going on for hours or days, but I just want to let you know that there's no way I can interface with patients right now. So I just want to prepare you. And I looped my husband in this at this time. So good thing I did because when he finally woke up, probably about 7.20, 726, he came into the bathroom while I was in the tub and I was full on and in transition at this point. Okay. So I went from active labor to transition and transition is the point where you were at the peak just before you are ready to push that baby out. And that is the point that typically where mamas are like, I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. And I totally understand because I knew I could do this, but 
it was so intense because it is literally right before you're ready to push. Like you were at the peak of this, like baby is descending. And I had the thought in my head, oh my gosh, if it gets any worse than this, I don't think I can do this. And that happened just before my husband came into the bathroom. And then I had this other thought quickly after that, like, well, sister, what are you going to do? You're on your own on this. Like you're not going backwards now. So very realistic, logical other thing came in my head. And then I started trying to do what I could to like ease my way through it. And I just started moaning and really having these deep moans and like feeling it in my body. And that's actually what woke up my husband. And he thought I was talking to the dog and little that he knew that the dog was in bed next to him. And I was the one that was in the bathroom moaning because I was in transition. So he comes in and he goes, are you about to have a baby right now? And I was like, I think so. And at this point, I thought I let him know. Like he was like, what can I do to help? And I didn't even have water. I didn't have my hair tie because this started happening. It just happened so fast, so fast that I had my hair down, but I really wanted to pull it up. And when you're in transition, that's another time where you're like, your temperature gets all crazy. I went from being totally comfortable in this warm bath till totally hot and like wanting a cold rag on my head. And every time I thought I, w- I could get out and grab myself water or grab myself my hair tie, uh-uh, the contraction came in and it came in strong. So I wasn't able to leave the tub. So it was like literally perfect timing when my husband came in. And so at this time, he went and he grabbed a hair tie. He grabbed me some water and I wasn't able to drink the water because I was like moaning through and like deeply trying to just get connected with my body as I was in this transition point. And what was amazing is that he just knew right away. He had texted our midwife and said, Hey, this is Lee. You know, I'm good. She's delivering this baby. And luckily he did that when he did because my midwife is 40 minutes away and it snowed here. Of course, it just, it's like the cold time of the year. It's in January. So I'm recording this while it's January of 2022. And she had like, she, she sprung up right away and you go quick to respond and amazing. Gosh, she's like literally the perfect midwife. Perfect for us. And got up as she described like Coella DeVille and like had to defrost her windows and just had like a little part of her window open so she could start driving and literally was like FaceTime me. So we were on video. So that way, because I, I was ready to push Like he got on the phone, she was like, she's saying she's ready to push. And I'm like, I'm ready to push. And it literally is like, you feel like you have this bowel movement. Like you just need to have a bowel movement. And so that's what I was like. I feel like I have have a bowel movement. I just need to push. And so she was like, push, make sure, and, and got on video. And so my husband this whole time is on FaceTime with my midwife as she's driving. Talk about midwife online midwifery for that matter (laughs) on the phone midwifery and gifted that she is to be able to give instruction for me and my husband to like get me to be like breathe lower breathe into your belly like breathe through this mama you've got this mama giving me the encouragement giving my husband the encouragement and then my husband being able to give me the encouragement so I, I say this because it matters so much you having the right birth team to be there with you, to know what you want, to know you as a person. You have the time with them to, for them to encourage you the way you need to be encouraged. And usually a midwife, this is when you would have a doula to be able to do that encouragement because usually the midwife is you know, in, in their mode of, of helping you with that delivery. And 
she was able to do both for me. Um, being able to encourage me and say I'm doing it good to like really help me with my breathing and remind me to breathe down. And as my husband said, whenever she had me do that, it like clicked and I went into this trance like state of really going from like this deep verbal moan to a just deep breath and really just trance myself to be able to deliver this baby. And the next part that I'm about to share here is where most people would be frightened or scared. And this is where I'm letting you know that I'm sharing this story because it's a personal story, but it's a personal story that I want to share with you all. Um, as we started, or as I, as she started coming out and I was feeling myself crown and I thought it was the head. Um, prior to me or prior to this, we literally were just in Sedona, Arizona for our Christmas vacation, Christmas getaway. And the funny thing is we talked about, oh, we might end up delivering the baby here, but in our heads, we're like, you know, we were joking about it, but she was like, you know, three weeks away from being from her estimated time of arrival. And I say this because, uh, she was head down at my last checkup with my midwife. And then because we went on vacation, I was 36 weeks at the time when we were on vacation. Usually I'd have a 36 week appointment, but we were scheduling it for the Friday that we got back. So that way, um, you know, at that time, that's when we would kind of talk more about preparation and having the birth kit and all these other things. However, Sedona decided she wanted to come on Monday and come earlier. So that wasn't like, I didn't end up having the like before birth, uh, midwife appointment. (laughs) So I didn't even have my birth kit or anything like that. Like I didn't have the cord clamp. I didn't have the womanly things to help, you know, with your, uh, vaginal bleeding that you'll have afterwards because that's just normal and you know the sheet protectors and you know birth tub if you're going to have a birth tub and all the things that come in a birth kit I didn't have any of that yet because I thought I had a couple more weeks and so now let me continue with the story so I say she was the head down she totally was but babies can continue moving um, literally up until birth and they can literally flip at birth as well, because literally they have reflexes that are purposeful to help with the delivery. And I can share that in another episode, but the, everything, all these cute little reflexes that babies have, they're all very purposeful from delivery to being able to have like feeding whenever they come out to being able to uh, interact with the world like there's purposes and then they start to go away at certain times and they start to have the reflexes that we have as adults although I'll tell you some adults maintain their primitive reflexes and there's usually uh, delays like some sort of social delays in response to that so again that's a whole nother episode I can talk about that either way so I felt that the baby was coming I was crowning and started pushing as I was breathing into it and Next thing I know, I hear my midwife on on the FaceTime on the phone saying, put your hands down, you know, feel your baby. Um, and she, I looked down and it literally looked like a burrito. She looked like a burrito coming out of me. I mean, literally went from crowning 
to pushing and breathing through it. And next thing I know, she was almost there. And my so I put one hand down and literally I was just like, oh my gosh, it, she feels weird. Like it like doesn't feel the way that <laughs> I think she would feel. And it's because she was butt down. She was coming out. Her butt was out first, which is called breach. So she was delivered breach, butt out first. She was um, posterior, which means that her head, her face was facing down toward my bottom. And that's the way that they should be. And so she wasn't face up. She was face down, face down, but her head was still inside me at this time. So I continue to uh, put my, so I put my hand underneath there so I can kind of like guide her. And then my midwife was like, grab with your other hand. Cause I like, cause I was elevating myself though. I was sitting in the tub and it felt more comfortable for me to have my bottom elevated off from the tub versus having it down. And then I end up going to put my other hand down and she was like, you can, you know, go ahead, like pull your baby out. And in my head, I was like, without even responding, I was like, no, I know I'm just going to follow this contraction. I don't need to pull anything. I can just pull or I can just push her out. And sure enough, I did. And then my midwife was like, wait a second, that's not her head, is it? And then both myself and my husband, I was like, no, that's her butt. And that's what he said too. And she was like, she instructed me to turn over on onto all fours. So that way I could then allow gravity to help the rest of her come out as I was delivering her head. And just ever so naturally the way it needed to, I mean, it was within seconds that she had given instructions for my husband to untuck one arm as she was behind. I was on all fours. So my husband was behind me untucking, holding the phone. What a remarkable person, right? Like, oh my gosh, holding the phone to give the midwife perspective of what was happening and where the baby was and, you know, how I was and how I needed to be positioned. He untucked one arm and then untucked the other arm. And so you have to think at this point, then the baby would be facing him. So she would actually lay eyes on her daddy first before she would with me based on the positioning. And then he untucked, I had her tuck her chin by like pushing forward on her chest, which would reflexively have her tuck her chin down, which is exactly the motion that needs to be done for her to just come out. And so with the help of instruction with the midwife of being able to be on the spot driving on her way to get here as soon as she can driving through a little opening in the defrosted defrosting window and on FaceTime on video on the phone she's able to give those instructions to my husband for little Sedona to then just come right out and she came right out and apparently I obviously grabbed her at that point in time and had sat down in the tub, still had the water full. There's like some other details involved in there. My water broke. So while I was in transition at some point and I was in a position, my water had broke literally just nine minutes before she actually was out. And I had picked her up after she had totally come out. Um, and I can't even tell you at what point I delivered the placenta because as soon as she came out, it's normal for babies to not have like that much tone. Sometimes they come right out and they're crying right away. Sometimes they're a little more quiet and then you get them activated just to make sure that their lungs are clear, that they have a clear, consistent cry. And then you start to go into the scoring of like, what's their color? And 
uh, tone and you know, responses and reflexes and everything. So she was actually a little limp, not completely limp where it's like, oh my gosh, is she alive? But didn't have the tone that we would anticipate her having. And granted, she was folded up like a burrito. Like I literally looked down and I thought I was birthing a big fat burrito. <laughs> the way her legs were up in her chest and her butt was out first. So look at her and her coloring isn't like super pink or anything like that at this point. And so we instantly get instructions from the midwife of like, talk to her, you know, start rubbing her back like vigorously, rubbing her back vigorously. So that way we can just make sure she was making sounds and like had a little bit of a cry, but it wasn't a consistent cry. It was like a, eh, eh, eh. Like it, she was, she was needing to work to get, get things activated and rubbing her vigorously. And then instantly it just like overcome me to, to put my mouth over her mouth and her nose to put some oxygen in her, to just force some oxygen into her, her mouth and her nose. Cause obviously babies, you cover up both at the same time. And I started breathing into her to put oxygen in and she started like making more sounds and she opened her eyes and even though the eyes weren't like they were kind of wild like googly eyed um she also just came into the world so you know without judgment like that but definitely needed to get some oxygen in her and then what's amazing is my midwife knowing that we're chiropractors and she absolutely has time and time and time and time again seen and witnessed and experienced the benefits of chiropractic care and especially chiropractic care of a baby coming out and making sure mama's adjusted throughout her pregnancy and mama gets adjusted like just before and afterwards and adjusting the baby when it gets out and was like, check the baby, check to see, like get her adjusted. And so instantly adjusted the top bone in her neck, like while I was still in the tub holding her, you know, this is where our expertise comes in. And I right away found that she had a right atlas and release that. And it's just, I've seen this and I've done this with other people's babies, not necessarily like right as soon as they came out of the womb and still attached to the placenta and cords still attached. Cause you gotta think my placenta is out in the water at this point. And I don't even know when I birthed the placenta and she's still connected to the cord and everything. Cause obviously we want to do delayed cord clamping so she can get, well, I say, obviously, well, if, if you don't know this, it is really wonderful and extremely beneficial to delay clamping the cord because there's three vessels that run through that cord that go into the placenta and they still that's all that's how they were getting all their nutrients and everything as they were inside of mama is through that cord and attachment to the placenta and that the placenta being attached to your uterus to you on the inside either way and it allows all these beautiful nutrients and blood supply because it still pulses and it still has blood supply. Even like once it's out, it's still connected and it'll still pulse and there's still blood supply to get into the baby, which also means that's where oxygen is also coming through hemoglobin, oxygenation, traveling through the blood. So you, it, it's so beneficial. And for us, we knew that we wanted to do the delayed cord clamping. Sometimes it's like 20 minutes. Um, for us, it ended up being probably about 25, maybe 30 minutes. And that's just how it ended up that way by the time the midwife got there. So it was like perfect timing, but either way. So blow air into her, her mouth. And then she was already 
responding and things were starting to change. And as soon as I adjusted her atlas, that top bone in her neck, her eyes opened up. She started getting color, like the color she was getting more pink and the tone in her arms and legs were almost instantaneous how they were coming back. And she went from like more limp to getting the tone. And then we kept rubbing her vigorously and, you know, talking to her. We love you. We love you. And because we do, right? But just to kind of, you know, just bring that present time consciousness into, you know, into the world at this time. And then she started crying more. And so at this time, being, a, you know, an amazing on-point midwife and that was almost at the house but not quite there yet, she wanted my husband to call the EMS, the emergency medical squad. So not because anything was wrong per se, but because she just wanted to make sure that somebody else would be there just in case there was oxygen that needed to be administered before she had she had got there and just just to be on top of things. And so just with minor hesitation, but then my husband was like, well, yeah, I'd rather be safe than sorry. And so he calls the, calls 911. And then I have, we have the EMS squad come in and they were great. They, uh, it was like a man and a woman and plus their team, but they, um, I was still in the tub at this time. And any woman knows like your modesty kind of goes out the window whenever you're birthing and you're just so, you know, just happy and elated to have that baby and, you know, just do whatever needs to be done. So either way, it was, uh, it was a man and a woman that ended up coming in and they both have kids. And so they, they definitely came in with this like nurturingness and understanding. And I'm sure because both of us were in the, in the tub and well, not, I was in the tub, not my husband. We were relatively calm. It's not like we were freaking out, worrying about anything. And they just come in and they go to take her pulse, her oxygenation perfusion, which is how much blood flow and supply, like what's the percentage? Is it at 100%, 98%? And you kind of want to have it between, for for a little one, I mean, you definitely want it above 97. Either way. So she's still covered in the vernix, which is all that caseous kind of almost margarine looking covering that's on them, which again is so beneficial to leave that vernix on them because it's new, like it provides nutrients and nourishment for their skin. Even though it's all sticky and stuff, it's like, leave it on them, like leave them covered in that, you know, as long as, as long as you can really. Even her at two days right now, like she's been rinsed, but I haven't put any, you know, shampoo or anything on her like that. And just like, she's, she's been rinsed and she still had some, some of that vernix behind her ears. So her ears were pinned up against her head, but, um, it's just so good and nourishing for their body. And it really can help with providing that protection on their skin. So either way they come in and try to, you know, take her oxygen perfusion, but they're having a hard time because she's wet. She's obviously covered in vernix. I'm still in the tub at this time. And, um, it was like within minutes that my midwife arrived and, they were like, oh, your midwife is here. And I let them know, like, my midwife is on her way and she'll be here shortly. And they were really nice with her. They were really nice with me. And they didn't end up having to administer oxygen or anything. They looked at her. They're like, she's, like, good. She's got good tone and good skin color. Like, you know, she looks good. And we're like, yeah, we're like, we just wanted you to be here just in case oxygen was needed. So we really appreciate it. And he, like, the guy had asked me if I wanted to go to the, if I wanted to be transferred to the hospital. I go, oh, no. 
No, I'm good. I just, like I said, I wanted to just make sure, you wanted to make sure you were here just in case we needed oxygen administered. And he's like, okay. And he was like, well, congratulations, you guys, and very sweet. And they're like, we'll get out of your hair then. And sure enough, from there, my midwife came in and realized that clearly I didn't have my birth kit. And she asked if I had a like a clamp for the cord. And I'm like, nope, I don't have any of that. And obviously, she came prepared. So she was able to clamp the cord at that time. And she actually was the one that had cut the cord and it's all it actually becomes a blur from there. And then she wanted to make sure because Sedona came early, she came, came at 37 weeks, even though between 37 and 42, it's like, you know, things are good, but she was a bitty one, a little girl. And she was really wanting to make sure that she can get her temperature regulated. So she, she had got her, you know, um, I passed her off. And at that point it gave me time once I was separated or the cord was separated. She gathered my placenta and put it in a placenta bowl. Um, I can talk about that on another episode because this will be quite long. Um, but I wanted to want to keep my placenta. One, we're just geeks, like we're doctors. And so I'm intrigued by the placenta and seeing it. Definitely wanted to see it and inspect it, you know, later. And also keep it. Some people encapsulate it. Some people encapsulate it and consume it. Others will keep it, and it's great for planting and for nourishing plants. <laughs> so I've actually got mine frozen. It's in a freezer bag and frozen um, for when we decide we want to plant something. If we want to plant a tree, and we use that as, like, put that in the soil, and it'll keep things growing like crazy, apparently. So... Sedona is here. She was submerged in the water. Loved being in the water. So she had just a just a little bit of rinse off right there. And it gave um, midwife time to get her, make sure she was nice and cozy and warm. And at that time, also started, you know, had let me, give me time so I could rinse off. While I was already in the tub, she's like, mom, go ahead and rinse off. And, you know, I was kind of like rinsed off, cleanse myself and course my husband brought me it brought me my robe and brought me my towel and from there you know just kind of came into the room and gave me my baby and had my baby on my chest and then she was checking me to make sure my blood pressure was good that I wasn't going to pass out making sure I was drinking water and locating the towels and also making sure things were clean because every any woman delivering a baby there's going to be some bloody showing and everything like that. So just being there and playing the role. And I am just ever so grateful how everything happened so perfectly because I free birthed my baby in my bathtub. And my husband came in, as he says, for the final two yards to, you know, make that touchdown and, and just really make it beautiful. And midwife came at the perfect time baby was already here and it was able I was able to just kind of focus on okay like let's bond with this baby while she was able to clean up and check all the signs and all these other elements that that you you don't want to have to think about and nor was I thinking about and I didn't even include (laughs) that at some point whenever the baby came out or when I had her and I was rubbing on her and talking to her she goes what's the gender what's the gender and when I had I had her turned over at first 
because I wanted to make sure that she didn't have like water in her lungs or anything. And I didn't, that was like the last thing I was thinking about because this whole time, by the way, it was a surprise. We didn't find out the gender. I didn't have any ultrasounds done or anything the entire time because I just wanted her to just, I mean, just be unhindered, nothing getting in the way of her just having the perfect development that she needed. And I'm obviously going to love the baby either way, whether it's a boy or girl. So for us, it was a surprise, even though we truly knew that she was a girl since the moment I told my husband that I was pregnant. And I could probably share that at the end here as I wrap this up. And sure enough, I touched, like I went down to touch her and I was like, first I thought it was like a little boy scrotum (laughs) or ball sack, Um, but it really wasn't. It's just because when little girls come out, their, their girl parts, AKA their labias are swollen. And so I thought those swollen, the swollen girl part was a boy part until I turned her over. And I was like, no, she's a girl. And it was just, you know, it was known. I was already elated. I had my baby. And it was just perfect. And um, so Sedona is here. And she's feeding. She's fantastic at feeding. Just took a moment to get that going. And what's great is part of chiropractic helps make sure that they are getting good latches. If you notice that the baby won't turn their head or they're like rigid turning their head to one side or won't turn their head to another side or they're consistently having their head on one side, it is absolutely like get them checked by a chiropractor because we can just easily and ever so gently release that pressure to allow them to turn their head for feeding, for development, because you don't want them to stay that keep their head locked on one side because that will give them the flathead syndrome and messes with their cranial molding and the shape of their head and then subsequently their development and then the ability for the skull bones to interact with the facial bones, to interact with the nerves that are uh, communicating continuously, um, not able to communicate to the muscles of the mouth and the tongue and for them to suckle, for them to have their rooting reflex and to breastfeed or to feed for that matter at all move their tongue on the way they're supposed to. So just a little pointer right there. Get your babies checked. Even if they had the perfect delivery, like her, she was delivered fine. There was no pulling. There was no yanking. There was no twisting. She just fully came out with very guided and, you know, breathing and just the way the body was designed to do it. And she was designed to come out. But it doesn't mean that they weren't cramped up inside of you for nine months or however long, and then when they come out, just wake up that innate intelligence. You can get them adjusted. So Sedona Garnett is here, and she got her name. One, we absolutely love Sedona, Arizona, and as you heard earlier in this podcast, I was actually in Sedona, Arizona when I got my maternity photos, and luckily I got them when I did because she didn't wait too much longer to come afterwards. Um, We were in Sedona spending our Christmas there, and we just feel ever so connected there with the beautiful red rock and the energy the vortexes, and it was just, it was absolutely lovely. And before I wrap this up, (laughs) I will tell you that when I first found out I was pregnant, I had just taken the pregnancy test, and I am like in denial that I was pregnant. I came out to the kitchen, and my husband, out of nowhere, we weren't even talking about babies, birthing, getting pregnant, anything like that. But out of nowhere, he goes, you know, if we have a a girl, 
What do you think about the name Sedona? <laughs> Makes me smile. And I was in the kitchen and I look over at him. I go, hmm, we might want to think about it because I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he looks at me. He goes, wait, we're pregnant? Why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, babe, like, I just found out. Like, this is how this happens. He's like, when did you find out? I'm like, I literally just took the test and I just found out. He's like, oh my gosh. Like he was acting like I was hiding it from him. And it literally, that's how it happened. Like it just happened so fast. So I was only five weeks pregnant at that time. And it just so happens that my in-laws were coming to visit um, for, uh, there was one of our cousins was having their like wedding anniversary slash extension of their wedding. And so we, of course, let them know that following weekend, even though we're super early in pregnancy, and it's just, it's been so divine from the very beginning. And so, as I said, despite us not wanting to find out the gender and waiting until she came, what are the chances that as soon as I find out I'm pregnant, my husband gets the hit, or the download, as I say, to ask me about a girl name? And sure enough, our little girl came and her name is Sedona. So that is my birth story, y'all. It is so amazing to be tuned into your body. And I just want to empower and encourage you, no matter what your birth story is, it is your birth story. And just want you to feel empowered in that and know that, you know, if you decide to get pregnant again, it doesn't mean it's going to happen just like the first time. Our mind space, our birth team, your partner, the setting, how you're taking care of your body, getting fruits and vegetables and nutrients in your body for you and for your baby, tuning into your body, breathing, deep diaphragmatic breathing, and more than anything, knowledge is power. So I just want to empower and inspire you all. I love you all so much and you have a beautiful day. Thanks for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you received lots of value out of it as I certainly enjoyed sharing. Could I ask that you please share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also bonus points, if you could leave a review for me on your favorite podcast app, that would be greatly appreciated too. If at any point you'd like to be on the podcast or have any questions you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Natalie Horine. That's H-O-R-I-N-E. Thanks again for listening and now have an expansive and awesome day. We'll see you next time.